Welcome to this episode of All Things Marilyn. My name is Scott Fortner, Marilyn Monroe historian, collector, and owner of the Marilyn Monroe Collection. I'm Elisa Jordan, the founder of LA Woman Tours, author, and I am also a Marilyn Monroe historian. How's it going, Elisa? It's good. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. And you just did a book signing recently? I did at the Old Town Music Hall in El Segundo. I got to introduce Some Like It Hot and The Misfits. They wanted to show her comedic side and her dramatic side. So those were two excellent picks. I got to introduce them and I took questions. I signed the book and it was a lot of fun. I got to meet some very nice Maryland fans. What was it like to watch The Misfits on the big screen? Very emotional. It's a dramatic movie and it's so much more dramatic on the big screen as it's meant mm -hmm. to be seen. I don't want to say it's hard to watch because that might imply that I don't like the movie, but it's hard mm -hmm. to watch, especially the climax at yeah. the end. It's a bit hard to watch on television. I can't imagine the big screen. It's probably yeah. a level of immersion. You know, you're so immersed in the story. You're right there with yeah. them. Wow. It's like your Mustang. Right. Okay. I mean, <laughs> really intense scenes in that film. Very much so. Arthur Miller is never going to give you an easy ride. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, we have a very exciting guest with us today, Mr. Luke Yankee, who is an actor, director, producer, professor, and playwright. And he is the son of Eileen Heckert. And for those of you who don't know who Eileen Heckert was, Elise is going to let you know. Eileen Heckert was Marilyn's co-star in Bus Stop. They were gal pals at the beginning of the movie when we see them in Phoenix. And she's really the character Cherie's confidant, almost like a mentor, very much a big sister type character. Mm -hmm for Marilyn's mm -hmm. character. So Luke's going to be joining us and he's going to be talking about his play that he wrote, Marilyn, Mom, and Me. All right, let's begin. If I am a star, then people may be a star. Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. I could stay here and now, famous fickle. Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. I give you the two most exciting words in the modern dictionary. Marilyn Monroe. All right, Luke, welcome to the All Things Marilyn podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I'm wonderful. I'm delighted to be here. You just are joining us from, I believe, a rehearsal. Right. Yes. yes Marilyn Mom and Me is about to have its world premiere at International City Theater, the professional theater in Long Beach, California. My hometown. All right. That's great. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, we open in about a week, a week from Friday. We open on the 16th of February and we run until March the 3rd. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really, after four years of readings and workshops and pandemic shutdowns and all of mm -hmm. the above, Zoom presentations, I'm very excited that it's finally getting its first full production. It must be super exciting for you to finally have the play have its world premiere, but it has gotten some pretty amazing reviews from people who read the play previously. Rex Reed said, it's two strangers linked by fate on a Greyhound bus, the unlikely personal and professional friendship that developed between vulnerable, lost, and emotionally needy Marilyn Monroe and crusty, maternal, no-nonsense Eileen Heckert on the Western rodeo set of Bus Stop. And even Larry King had words to say. He said, a truly wonderful piece of work, which reveals the playwright's extraordinary talent at creating characters and storytelling. 
I was riveted and quite moved by it, a touching and thoughtful personal narrative that has a lot of important things to say to everyone. So how great must it feel for you to have those types of accolades from those people? It's really very exciting. And uh, there's a lot of interest in the play for Broadway. And it has been very much a labor of love. I've been working on it for more than four years now. And it's just, it's really been an extraordinary journey. So let's start at the beginning. What inspired you to write a play in the first place about your mother and Marilyn Monroe? Well, you know, Elisa, from the time I was very young, my mother loved to entertain and she loved to sort of hold court and talk about her career and was great friends with people like Mary Tyler Moore and Teresa Wright and just the who's who of the American theater and also a lot of film and television people as well. And from the time I was very young, I remember whenever anyone would ask her about Marilyn, she would get very closed mouthed. And she really had two sets of stories she would tell about Marilyn. The first set of stories was about this woman who could be very unprofessional, coming to the set late, not knowing her lines. And if you pressed her, the more she talked about Marilyn, she would invariably burst into tears. And my mother was known as a tough customer for playing the sort of flinty, tough as nails kind of characters. And she was very much that way in life. And I don't know anyone else who had that impact on her. And to the day my mother died, she couldn't talk about Marilyn without bursting into tears. I knew there was something there. And I had heard bits and pieces of all of these stories about the two of them shooting bus stop. I did some research and realized my mother had already passed on, so I couldn't ask her. But I realized just how much these two women who on the surface seemed like polar opposites were so alike. In the first place, both of them were adopted. As a result of that, neither of them truly felt like they deserved a place at the table. And when they were shooting Bus Stop, Marilyn had taken the year off the year before to study with Lee Strasberg at the Actors Studio, and she had become the poster child for method acting, where one has to feel everything organically. And since my mother was playing her best friend, Marilyn was determined to make my mother her best friend. And at first, mom was like, okay, who is this starlet who's kind of glomming on to me and making me feel very uncomfortable? But they wound up having this really tight connection and developing this very deep friendship. As is often the case, especially in show business, it was an intense friendship for the time they were shooting. It didn't really last afterwards. But for mm. that time, they became just really inseparable. There was a lot of drama around Marilyn's life. And my mother often got caught up in that on the set. But still, she had tremendous fondness for her. I've asked myself, and one of the questions I explore in the play is why my mother would burst into tears. And I think there was a feeling that, a feeling of incredible regret that she couldn't save her. And in fact, someone recently told me that Eli Wallach, who you were talking about the misfits earlier, that Eli Wallach was the same way. He loved to share stories about his career, but when it came to Marilyn, he became very tight-lipped. And that was certainly the way my mother was. So the premise for the play is that a 40-something Luke, I'm a character in it, I do not play it myself, but a 40-something Luke learns early on in the play that his mother is terminal and is dying of lung cancer. He wants to get at some basic truths about their relationship by unraveling her very complex relationship with Marilyn Monroe. 
It goes back and forth in time between 1999 and, and 1956 during the shooting of Bus Stop. And it's so not only, it's funny because I set out to write a play about my mother and Marilyn, and I wound up writing a play that is every bit as much about my mother and me. So it's deeply personal. And I every time I watch this play, since I'm also rehearsing the world premiere, I am reliving some of the most intense moments of my life with my mother. For instance, there's the scene where Luke says goodbye to his mother for the last time. There is the scene where she is very harshly critiquing him on his children's theater work. Many of the most profound moments that we experience together are, are on stage in this play. So I am incredibly vulnerable and incredibly exposed. And I think that's part of the reason it's getting the very positive response that it is, because it's very honest and very raw, both about Marilyn and Eileen and about Luke. Sounds really fascinating. We're actually going to be seeing it. Elisa and I and a group of other people will be there. Yes, I'm thrilled that you're coming. There has already been so much written about Marilyn and so many other plays and films about Marilyn. And so we're just curious to know, and for the benefit of our listeners, what do you think makes your play different or special or unique? I'm really glad you asked that, Scott. And the two of you would absolutely be the authorities on this as the Marilyn historians. But to my knowledge, there has been very little, if anything, written about her relationship with another woman who was a peer. I mean, of course, there was there was Susan Strasberg's book and Natasha, her acting coach, wrote things and all of that. But this was at a time when she was the biggest star in the world. And Marilyn wanted what my mother had. She wanted to be taken seriously as a legitimate actress. She wanted kids and and she also wanted a stable marriage. I feel like with everything that's been written about Marilyn, as you said, and of course, so much about Arthur Miller and the men in her life, I don't know that there's been very much written about another woman who was on the same level as her and who, who was a, a peer professionally. I just want to say a word or two about my magnificent cast for the Long Beach production of Marilyn, Mom and Me. First of all, in the pivotal role of Marilyn Monroe, I've got an actress named Alicia Soper. And I have to tell you, so many people say she is the best Marilyn they have ever seen. She's Ryan Murphy's go-to person for Marilyn. She has been playing Marilyn at Universal for years. She recently did a film called Marilyn and Jackie, and she is absolutely just brilliant in this role. She has read every book, studied every film, knows every nuance, every gesture, and I think people are really going to be blown away with her performance. Also in the role of Eileen, also known as my mom, I have an actress named Laura Gardner, who is a wonderful regional theater actress. She's done lots of television work, lots of Broadway work. She really, really nails the role. I mean, to find someone to play my mom is not an easy thing because Eileen Heckard is a very distinct personality. But Laura, from the moment I cast her, she studied every nuance, every gesture, not unlike Alicia. She asked me for every episode of Playhouse 90 and every old sitcom and everything that uh, she could get her hands on that she watched and studied and observed. 
playing me, playing Luke, is an actor named Brian Rohan. He is an Emmy-winning actor. Again, he has done theater work all over the country and is best known for playing Jimmy Stewart. And there is just a, a sweetness and an affability about him that I thought was really perfect for the role of a 40-something Luke. And then uh, playing Joshua Logan and Arthur Miller and several other studio executives is uh, an actor named Noah Wagner. I've had the pleasure of working with Noah on two other world premieres of two of my other plays. And he is a stalwart of the Southern California theater community and also just a fine, fine actor. And completing the cast in the role of Ella Fitzgerald, and also Rosetta Lenoir, who was a great friend of my mom's and a major force in the American theater, is an actress named Jacqueline Lorraine Schofield. And Jacqueline has, again, worked all over the country. She's done roles like Sister Act and In the Heights. And she just brings such warmth and such depth to these roles. I'm just really honored to have this extraordinary cast for the world premiere of Marilyn Mom and Me. Why do you think Marilyn had such a deep impact on your mother? You know, as I said earlier, Lisa, I, I think it was the fact that, again, the fact that they both bonded through their wounds and mm -hmm. through both of them feeling like they were never wanted and weren't really accepted and weren't deserving of all that they achieved because of their really difficult childhoods and their really, you know, tumultuous backgrounds. And I think my mother, again, as different as they were on the surface, I think she saw a lot of herself in Marilyn. And I think, as I said previously, I think there was a sense of wanting to save her and ultimately knowing that she couldn't and that no one really could except Marilyn herself. So if we talk a little bit about the film, Bus Stop, and the director, who was Joshua Logan, didn't yes. your mother have a prior relationship with Joshua Logan? She did. Yeah. Joshua Logan had directed my mother in Picnic on Broadway, which is one of the things that really put my mother on the map, playing the spinster school teacher, Rosemary. And in fact, she was really crushed that she didn't get to do the film. But Rosalind Russell's husband, the producer, Frederick Brisson, actually bought it as a vehicle for Rosalind Russell. My mother was out of luck there. But, but still, she developed a strong relationship with Joshua Logan. And one of the things that it talks about and I talk about in the play is the fact that Joshua Logan said, oh, Hecky, which was my mother's nickname in the business, says, Hecky, I have to have you for this role in Bus Stop. I have to surround the lead with strong Broadway character actors so people won't realize the fact that Marilyn Monroe can't act. Needless wow. to say, by the wow. end of the film, he really ate those words yeah. because many people consider it Marilyn's best performance. But up until that time, with things like since she was certainly not exclusively, but since she spent a lot of time playing this sort of blonde bimbo, a lot of people felt that she just had one note. And of course, that wasn't the case. And no. Joshua Logan certainly learned that. And in fact, he said at one point, boy, when I and I believe he said this in print, he said, when I believe that I actually said that I could rinse my mouth out with salt water and vinegar. And he really realized what an incredible talent she was. And he called her a cross between Garbo and Chaplin. You're really touching on something here because 
Lee Strasberg and method acting were very important to Marilyn. Yes. And how did your mother feel about that style of acting? Because it was new at the time. We take method acting for granted now, but at the time it was pretty controversial. It had its devotees, it had its detractors. Where was your mom on that spectrum? My mother was not a fan of method acting. I, there were several reasons for that. And one is the fact that as when she, as a young actress, auditioned for the actor's studio, uh, Lee Strasberg flunked her for insufficient talent. <laughs> so Joshua Logan isn't the only one who was mistaken about okay. some, a woman's acting. Okay. Exactly. exactly. But she was not, the, the method was just not something that worked for her. She worked in a very different way. But but she appreciated it. She worked with a lot of actors who did over the years, Marilyn, of course, being one of them. And many roads lead to Rome. And it's, hey, if that's your process, if that's your style, you do what works for you. But, but it wasn't something that she was a devotee of. No, and you know what's interesting? It, it's like Billy Wilder felt that way. Yes. Maybe that's why he got good performances out, out of his actors, because he felt like, however you get there, it's fine with me. Just get there. Right. But not all directors feel that way. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And the thing my mother said about Joshua Logan is that, again, since they had a relationship, she said Josh was such a wonderful actor. On the first day of rehearsals for Picnic, he got up and he read the whole script to the cast and showed you exactly the way he wanted it done. It was very presentational in that regard. It was, no, darling, do it this way. And I can understand how somebody like Marilyn would have hated that style of direction. Mm -hmm. And yet he was a very successful director at the time and, you know, managed to help get a, a brilliant performance out of her. Because, as mm -hmm. I said earlier, many people consider it her best. And one of the things that I found always really fascinating in Marilyn's estate sale from the 1999 Christie's auction was that big silver Tiffany photo frame that Joshua Logan gifted to Marilyn. It's actually engraved to Marilyn from Joshua Logan and his wife. And there are yes. photos of Marilyn in her living room where that frame is is sitting and it's holding her favorite photo of her by Cecil Beaton. Oh, how uh, wonderful. And, yeah. So she must have had good memories of him. So we want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your mom. Tell us what she was like. What was she like as a person? You know, she was very complex. And I know that probably sounds simplistic because most people are very complex. But as I said, she was famous for playing the tough cookie. And she was born in Columbus, Ohio. And back in the day, her mother was married five times starting in 1918. And that was really scandalous back then. And many times, some of those husbands didn't want a kid around. So there would be times that my mother would be shipped off to her grandparents for a month or five or more at a time, which was something that had a tremendous impact on her. I think it's one of the things that made her such a strong actress. Not only did she love living in that fantasy world, but she also learned how to experience that kind of pain. And the year before she did Bus Stop, she was nominated for an Academy Award and won the Golden Globe for playing the alcoholic mother, Mrs. Daigle, in The Bad Seed. And she only has eight minutes in the entire film. And again, was nominated for all of these awards. She had also performed the role on Broadway. And that really became one of her signature roles. 
and really had a career that didn't stop for more than 50 years and also managed to be married to the same man for 53 years. My father, Jack Yankee, was a saint. He was just uh -huh. a loving, wonderful, incredible man. And in fact, parenthetically, when I met my husband of 29 years, mom said to me, is Don Hill the new man in your life? And I said, yeah, mom, he is. And I think I found my Jack Yankee. Mm. And she's Aww. very touched by that. And there are many things about my husband, Don, that do remind me of, of my father. And one of the things that's so exciting is that about Marilyn, mom and me, is that Don is also stage managing. He is the chair of drama at University of California at Irvine and the head of the graduate stage management program. And he took a sabbatical so he could stage manage this play. That's love. Mm -hmm. And so it's so exciting that we're able to share this together because since this play, as I said, is so deeply personal, to be able to share that with my husband is just an added gift and a That's real amazing. Bonus. Yeah. Yes. You mentioned your mom was nominated for an Academy Award. Can you tell us a little bit more about her professional awards? Sure. Oh, there are many. She actually won the Academy Award for Butterflies Are Free, Best Supporting Actress in 1973. She is in the Theater Hall of Fame. She has two Emmys, four honorary doctorates, Tony for Lifetime Achievement. And she always played sort of supporting characters in films. The last thing she did was Diane Keaton's mother in the First Wives Club. But she was really in the kind of 50s, 60s and beyond. She was really kind of royalty on Broadway. And the last play that she did was the off-Broadway production, the first production of Kenneth Lonergan's The Waverly Gallery, about a woman's descent into Alzheimer's disease. And it was such a powerful performance that at age 81, she won more awards for a single performance in a single season than any actress in theater history. It was wow. a, That's a, incredible. A, a devastating performance. Yeah. Didn't oh, you mention wow. earlier she won a Golden Globe? She did. She won a Golden Globe for The Bad Seed the year before she did. I I, I did forget the Golden Globe. Thank yes, you. Yes, you did. In fact, I'm looking at them all there right here. There are so here. many I'm... awards. You can't remember <laughs> yes. them all. I, I'm sitting here with some of them on my desk right in front of me. <laughs> She's an EGOT, but with a Golden Globe, not a Grammy. Exactly. Yes. Emmy, Golden Globe, Oscar, Tony. Yes. That's really incredible. Yeah, she was uh, a force to be reckoned with and and also a wonderful mother. She was the type of mom who wouldn't think twice about doing a matinee and an evening performance on Broadway and then coming home and filling Easter baskets till three o'clock in the morning. Well, that was our next question. What was it like to be the son of a super famous, highly acclaimed, award-winning actress? Scott, it, it was kind of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, I think I was probably somewhere around eight or nine before I realized that the rest of the kids didn't sit around on Saturday night watching their mommies on Gunsmoke and the Mary Tyler Moore show. She just always said, oh, honey, nobody knows who I am up in Connecticut. I'm just plain Mrs. Yankee. Of course, there she is as plain Mrs. Yankee going to the grocery store in a full length mink coat, big dark glasses <laughs> and a cigarette holder and a copy of Variety tucked under her arm to read in the checkout line. She yeah. looked a little different from some of the other Connecticut housewives. But again, she was a very supportive mom 
And yet, from the time I was 11 years old doing children's theater in the basement of the YMCA, and this is something I talk about a lot in the play, she would come and see my performances and she would critique me like I was Laurence Olivier at the Old Vic. <laughs> she was really tough on me and said, what the hell are you doing up on that stage? It made me a better actor. It toughened me up because ultimately I, I did study acting at Juilliard and it's prepared me for the bruises I got there, the emotional mm -hmm. bruises. Not and bad. yet, while I knew the good intention behind it, at that age, 11, 12, there were times I just wanted a supportive mother to tell me she was proud of me. It was a mixed bag. But, and I explore a lot of that in the play and talk about this very complex mother-son relationship. Again, from the time I was 11 years old, she treated me like a peer, which was a huge compliment, but I didn't always see that at the time. So did she teach you about acting and character and the business? Because you've gotten already some pretty impressive accolades for your play. So did she teach you how to explore character and then translate that into script and then on stage? And then did she just teach you about some of the pitfalls of being in a very competitive, sometimes cutthroat business? She did. She did, Elisa. But in terms of the, the writing, and while she certainly taught me about character and all of the things you mentioned, while certainly there is some carryover, the writing, frankly, I feel like pretty much came from me. I'm the head of playwriting at Cal State Fullerton. And if you count the film scripts and the TV pilots and that sort of thing, this is probably at least my 10th script. And again, because it's so deeply personal, I think that's why people are relating to it the way they are. Because one of the things that I always tell my students when I'm teaching playwriting and with my memoir as well, I wrote a memoir about my mom called Just Outside the Spotlight and about me growing up as a showbiz kid and all. But one of the things I always tell my students is with your writing, the more personal you make it, the more universal it becomes. Because ultimately, we're all dealing with the same emotions. We're all dealing with the same issues, not unlike my mother in Maryland, who seems so totally opposite, and yet we're dealing with a lot of the same struggles to be accepted and to be loved and wanted. I feel like the fact that I get into those very basic feelings has to do with the reason that the play is getting the accolades that it has been and the reason there's such interest in it for Broadway beyond this production in Long Beach. Tell us about your mom's reaction when she heard the news that Marilyn had passed away. I was very young. I think my mother, from, from everything I've heard, is that she was very upset. She was quite devastated by it. And mm -hmm. there was, again, that sense, as I said earlier, of feeling like she couldn't save her and she hadn't been able to save her. And all the things that, you know, when someone passes, all the things that you wished you'd said and you wished you'd been able to do and to just be able to see them one more time. So she was really very upset when, when she heard about Marilyn and cried for a couple of days from everything I've heard. You've actually come to a couple of the memorials that Marilyn Remembered puts on every August 5th. What is the experience like for you as a speaker at those memorials? I've learned so much about Marilyn. And one of the things that's so wonderful about those tributes and those memorials is that every year there are different people who share different perspectives and different insights. And 
I think more and more I get to see her as a person, not just as this icon, as this fully developed, incredible woman who is not given credit for how smart she was a lot of times. And she was also, not many people know that she was a producer. A lot of people, of course, as I'm, I'm sure you've talked about in this podcast innumerable times, the sort of surface Marilyn of the sort of blonde bimbo, the blonde sex pot. Obviously, there was so much more to her than that. Mm -hmm. And again, I explore a lot of those sides in the play, Marilyn Mom and Me, that, that a lot of people are surprised about and a lot of people didn't know were there. I can't wait to see it. It just really sounds fascinating. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. What would you like the future of Marilyn Mom and Me to be or to look like? It would be a dream come true, Scott, for this play to go to Broadway. And in fact, I have several Broadway producers who are coming to check it out. One in particular who has gotten the script to some major actresses to play Eileen and some major actors to play the role of Luke. Mm -hmm. And I've had some very powerful top agents and people who really know what they're talking about in the entertainment industry say to me, this play absolutely belongs on Broadway. I've also wow. started adapting it as a film. I would love to just take this as far as I can. <laughs> Let's see where it goes. Indeed. Why do you think Marilyn is still such a huge pop icon today? Uh, gosh, I, I, I think, Elisa, for me, it is the combination of the vulnerability with the sex appeal. My mother used to say that Marilyn was always terrified of the next starlet who was going to come along and dethrone her. And my mother used to say also how thrilled she would be to know that hasn't really happened. I mean, she still is every bit Not at all. <laughs> quite the opposite, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> She's everywhere today. She She's is everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 But there's just something very unique about her that it, it's hard to put one's finger on. It's the vulnerability. It's the sensitivity. One can tell, even when she's playing the blonde bimbo, one can tell what a huge heart there was under there. And I think that ultimately comes through and makes people want to take care of her the way my mother did, makes people want to be in her presence and just makes people love her. Agreed. At the time of this recording, we've just learned that Don Murray has passed away. Yes. Did your mom say anything about Don Murray or Hope Lang, who ended up getting married in real life, did, did she talk anything about the other folks in the movie? She had worked with Arthur O'Connell, who played the, the character man, Verge, and mm -hmm. they had both done Picnic together on Broadway, as a matter of yeah. fact. He played her love interest in that. And so they had a very good relationship. And I remember going to see Don Murray, gosh, this probably would have been in the late 70s, in a production of The Crucible, Arthur Miller's The Crucible, playing John Proctor at the American Shakespeare Theater in Stratford, Connecticut. And we went backstage and met him. He was terrific in the role. I still remember it vividly. She went backstage and he was very warm with her and so thrilled to see her again. I don't remember her talking a lot about the other people. I mean, she had very kind things to say about Hope Lang. They were certainly friendly. They didn't have any scenes together in the film. But mm -hmm. I, I know she was friendly with Hope Lang and that mm -hmm. when they would run into each other, it was very warm and fond. But one of the funny stories I remember about Bus Stop, and again, something that I address in the play, is that my brothers, Mark and Philip, were little boys. 
and they were with them on location in Phoenix. And Marilyn had, because my brother Mark, who was about four or five at the time, he was recovering from spinal meningitis. And the doctors thought the dry desert air would be good for him. So my mother took the two boys on location with the Scottish nanny, who was with our family for 53 years. And one of their nightly rituals after shooting is that Marilyn had the top floor suite at the hotel in Phoenix, and my mother's suite was one floor below. So while my mother would be on the phone with my father back in Connecticut, Marilyn would go into these gift baskets. She was constantly being sent by studio types who were trying to curry favor. And she would take out the grapefruits and the oranges, and she would go out onto the balcony, and she would call down to my brothers, and she would say, Mark, Philip, you want to play catch? And these two little boys would come running out onto the balcony. Marilyn Monroe would play catch with my brothers using citrus fruit as their only sports equipment. Wow. And, but of course, at two and four, they couldn't catch anything. Right. My mother would say to my father, oh, for God's sake, Marilyn's out there playing catch with the boys again. <laughs> and guess who's going to have a raggedy ass down at the pool at 2 a.m. picking up all those bloody grapefruits and oranges. Oh, that's funny. But, but she yeah. just adored those boys and doted on them. There are some wonderful family photos that are really kind of family heirlooms of Marilyn and my two brothers. I've seen those pictures. Yes. What is it like for your brothers to see those photos? They've been published. People see them. Like one of them yes. is a poster for your play. What's it like for them to be the little boys that Marilyn Monroe is holding? They don't have a lot of memory of it, unfortunately. My middle brother, Philip, who was in Marilyn's arms at age two, he's actually passed away. And my older brother, Mark, doesn't have a lot of memory of it. But must say, shortly after that, they were back in Connecticut and my mother had that photo on the piano in a frame. And uh, there was a cleaning lady who came by one day and she saw that picture just as Mark was going by on his tricycle. And she said, is this who I think it is? And Mark, without missing a beat, driving by on his tricycle at age four said, of course, it's Marilyn. Get over yourself. Who else would it be? Silly. <laughs> you know who it is. So Luke, it's really been a pleasure having you on the podcast. What closing comments would you like to share with us and our listeners? Oh, thank you so much. Doing this play, Marilyn, Mom and Me, has given me an even deeper appreciation for Marilyn and all that she brought to the world, all that she brought to my mother's world, and subsequently to mine. I'm so thrilled and honored to be with you all and to be doing this work that shows a different side of her and helps people celebrate her even more and in perhaps a different way. Well, we're really looking forward to seeing your play. Elisa mm -hmm. and I and some other friends of ours will be there on the 25th of February, Sunday. Thank you again so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to hear your stories about the play and about your mom and, of course, about Marilyn. Thank you. Where can our visitors go online to learn more about you, your work, the play? My website is lukeyankee.com, just the way it sounds. And there's a website for the play, which is marilynmomandme.com, all written out. And if any of your listeners are interested in getting tickets for the production at International City Theater in Long Beach, they can go online to ictlongbeach.org. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into this episode of the All Things Maryland podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at All Things Maryland Podcast. Please 
feel free to go and leave our show a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Five-star reviews and, and your comments are always welcome and appreciated. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of All Things Maryland. Good night, man. Bye-bye. You left on the screen, and that's the one thing that survived, you know. I realize more and more the responsibility, but you do miss sometimes just being able to be completely yourself and someplace, and people just know you as another human being.